Hello, and welcome to episode 86 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. In this week's podcast, Sean and I are discussing the topic of sales structures and expectations. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Sean, how's it going? Good, Les. How are you doing? I am doing fine. I'm... Uh... I'm prepping up for the the holiday seasons, trying yeah. to get in that mental state, right? Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I'm I'm getting there. I've done some shopping. It's kind of nice. I can do a lot more shopping online. Yes. <laughs> actually, and actually, I like this time of year because I'm shopping for myself too. So, well, there you go. It's always good when you can treat yourself. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, delivering stuff to me and. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, maybe I don't want to. I don't want to go down uh, the path of explaining what else I've I have found and kind of <laughs> kind of like. Uh oh. We'll, we'll leave that to uh, the audience to kind of ponder. What could it be? Nothing bad. Nothing bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, spending more money that uh, I don't need to do. So, um, you know, just to warn our audience out there, we don't know how our um, holiday. Uh, Christmas and New Year's will shake out as far as recordings go, but uh, I do listen to uh, your requests and your comments, and and people do like it when we're on a regular schedule. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, which we like it too. Yeah, it, it's just that we always can't do it. So, um, appreciate the uh, comments because it it knows we know that you're listening, so that's good. Um, but uh, we can't always stick to a schedule, so. But we'll do our best. We'll do our best. So, um, so our topic today uh, is is um, we're going to talk about sales structures and expectations. So, I would imagine most of the people that are listening to our podcast, since this is a business podcast, um, has some sort of sales uh, structure, uh, something in place uh, as far as a selling part of their business. Uh, most businesses do. Um, yeah, and, so. and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to like be cliche about it, but if you do think about it, everyone in the organization is part of the sales structure, as well as part of the supply chain structure, right? Okay. So, I mean, a business, a business has to has to sell either a service or a product, right? And 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 the things that that um, you do in your job, whether you're a leader or one of the worker bees. Supports supports either the the sales side or the purchasing side to fulfill the sales side. So in in effect, you know that that exchange of purchase order for goods, um, or just straight cash for goods, check for goods, whatever, is is I, I think good to always have in your mind that you're not just a paper pusher or pencil pusher. You're you're part of the sales structure. Even even if you're in in accounting, you know you're understanding you know the, the pluses and the minuses on the T chart. On, on what the company is doing to to provide sales. And if you provide sales, then you provide jobs for however many people are in your organization. So that's a good inroad into our first debate. My my counter to that is, is that if you've got uh, more than just your sales organization focused on sales, are you being effective and efficient? Should... should uh, everybody be focused on sales or should everybody be focused on how they 
sale and or support sales. All right. And and I don't say you, you're focused on sales when you're in the in the rest of the organization. If we go back to any of the discussions that we've had on leading and lagging indicators, what okay. you do, sales sales can be a lagging indicator for a particular job function in an organization. That's that's the lagging indicator. So if, if your input in your job provides information, product, service, so that the output is a better sales product, a better sales process, then, then that's the, the lagging indicator. But I think you should be aware of, of what function you're, you're, you're doing to contribute to that output of, of sales. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I don't want you to focus on, I don't want the, the accounting person to say, okay, how can, how can I, how can I get more sales with this given customer? I see, I see a bill. Or, or I see a payment from a customer. I, if there is a way in, in doing your job, you can, you can help the salesperson that, that is actively selling to, to provide an advantage for your organization. Well, by all means, that's a process improvement, isn't it? And that's what we talk about. Sure. Most of the time is process improvement and working, working on the process rather than just in the process. And, you know, if you have, if you have a paper pusher, you're not going to get much out of that person. That's where, and I know I'm rambling here because I, I get I get excited about this stuff. That's where leadership well, only... should make sure that everybody everybody is part of the one team, not not siloed in some kind of functional application. You know. Well, the only reason I bring that one up is because you know I often hear in different organizations, well, everybody should be focused on the customer. Every everybody should be selling. Yeah, I agree. Theoretically, I would agree with that statement, but it doesn't. It doesn't play out in in the real world in, in my mind. Um, in that, that literally is like what you said a minute ago. That one is a cliche in my mind that what? should not be used all the time. It's lazy speech. Go back it to is lazy, lazy speech. speech. What yes. the heck does it mean? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. I am just an accounting guy. Okay, I get we should sell more. What do you want me to do in my T chart to make us sell more? <laughs> You know, so I, I, I think that that is, is some speech within the sales concept that is overused and is a, um, is a fallback for not solving the real root issues of, of, you know, sales and sales activities. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here on this, on this particular situation, because I think, um, at the end of the day, I do agree that it breaks down into two scenarios. You've got selling activities and you've got value chain activities and those value chain activities should be supporting sales activities. Well, you know that they're tied. There's a correlation. There's a correlation. And and there's a correlation to then the, 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 um, result of sales and costs, which is margin. And and that's how your company grows. That's how you get paid bonuses. That's how you hire new people is, is in the margin. So, right. so when it comes down to it, everybody's job affects the margin of a company. Right. Right. So anyway. So the first thing I wanted to touch on was um, uh, different sales structures. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to go into huge details on this, but I just wanted to kind of brainstorm some, some sales structures that you and I have seen in the past. Um, the first one that I can think of is geography or territory. Well, um, yeah. Now, are you talking about a a direct sales structure with employees of the organization, or or a representative, a, a rep a rep agency 
that that covers the territory or even distribute? I wouldn't, in, I wouldn't involve a rep agency yet. I would say just sales personnel that is part of your organization. I think one of the structures is having a structure of geography or territory. Um, here, in fact, I can go through some of the structures that I kind of looked up and just see what you think about them at, at, when I finish with them. So one of them is geography and territory. The other one is industry and market. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is by products. Another one is just saying hunter and farmer. So you got your people that are going out and, and finding work and you got your people that are cultivating the work that exists. And then you've got a stratification, uh, a scenario, and then you've got your, your roles, uh, uh, type selling. And so th- those are some of the basic selling structures. Um, you know, I know that in our organization, we're, we're a combination of geography and industry and market. Mm-hmm. And I think possibly a tad of product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what'd you say? I think most, I, I think most, let me narrow it down. Most equipment suppliers are the same, have the same structure that you just, that you just mentioned. Geography. Okay. Yeah. Geography and product mainly. Yeah. Or industry. Like I know that we've industry, got a guy that's yeah. focused. Yeah. We've got a guy that's focused on aerospace and one that's focused on oil and gas mainly, but they do get into a little bit of, of product breakdowns. And then, and then in our satellite locations, we have, uh, some, some what we call ground, you know, territory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so like Houston and that kind of stuff. We've got so them. Can the person that's in Houston that covers Houston, can they sell all of your products to all industries? Um, yes. And that's, that's the goal. Okay. So they know enough to sell the broad range of products to all the industries. Cause I I will say, and maybe this is too premature. When you look at a sales organization, Mm -hmm. you you need to look at it from the customer's perspective because you're not pushing. I I like to, I like to challenge my folks and, and, you know, anybody that I talk to is, okay, you're there, your products are to solve the customer's need and a customer's problem, whatever keeps the customer up at night. You know, one of those sales pitches or whatever, what keeps you up at night? Right. Now, so does the salesperson know enough about the customer's product and process to ask the right questions to then insert the products as the answer that that, that, that salesperson is trying to sell? And I think the answer in my particular case is it's in varying degrees. Well, yeah, okay. So then you go down the line. Then you go down the line. So if 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 you if the one person is selling all your products to all industries, can he, can the person go into a chemical plant and understand the chemical process where your system where your system would fit in, as well as go to the airport and understand from from the guy that does the the capital equipment purchasing at the airport his or her process and and what will solve their problem in a specific area, can, can that one person answer both those questions or does a person go into one of the industries with the customer and say, Oh, okay, that's my product. I know it can work here, but I'm not the guy to talk to. You got to talk to, you know, my companion here who, who call him up and, and uh, they will, they will help you out with the answers to your questions. And that's the goal we want to get to is that we, we definitely have, uh, technical capabilities from one end of the spectrum to the other. And we need to make sure that they have the tools in place to be able to say, 
this is as far as I go. Now it takes this person to go a little bit further into this, this product line. You know, so, as a customer, as a customer, if you, if you build a relationship with somebody, right. You, you hate to, you hate to say, okay, well, now I got to go talk to, you know, person B. So that's always the counter argument. That's yeah. always the counter argument to that is that now the one customer has to talk with multiple people depending on their needs. Yeah. So, you know, so in that particular case, if you had to choose, what makes sense uh, for you to go in? Do you try and uh, invest in training your salespeople and set expectations to learn, to get them to learn more of the product offering? Or do you try and help the customer understand that, you know, we've got such an array of products and it's so complicated, you just have to work with two people. There's just no way around it. That's where I, I kind of like, and I, and I've been in an equipment designer, custom, custom fabrication, custom design, equipment delivery company for my, my right. whole career. Right. Right. So to me, I think, I think the most powerful method of, of getting in the door is a good manufacturer's rep that understands the customers in their, in their territory. So you have a rep, this is, this is what I've been used to and, and managing a rep organization. That's, that's another long discussion that maybe we can touch on here in this half hour or so that we talk. Um, right. But, but a rep, it's interesting. A rep, a good rep will have the confidence of the customer to know that that rep can deliver products that satisfy the customer's needs. See, because if you have, if you've got a good rep, they're the ones that are on the ground with the potential customers daily, weekly, monthly, however, whatever frequency is necessary. And, and they build that relationship and they understand what keeps that customer up at night. As yeah. the, as the principal of the supplier, that rep, that rep understands what you do. And that rep, and that rep can come to the right person in an organization. So, so we've got multiple products. So if that rep is in, in a, in a refinery that's got varied processes needing various pieces of equipment, that rep understands, okay, well, this one piece of equipment can use the solution from my principal. They know who to come to in my organization. It might be me. It might be, you know, the guy next door to me. So, so the customer doesn't have to deal with that interface. The rep does the matchmaking. And so if the rep does the match, if the rep does the matchmaking, yeah, sure, there's a rep commission. And, and, you know, I think the, in the old days, the old school was, Hey, why do I have to pay for a rep? They're just a door knocker and a, a delivery person for the actual company person. You know, when they fly, when they fly into a territory, they're only the, uh, the Uber driver that drives them and, and pays for lunch. I've had people, I've had people say that, Hey, you're the rep, you know, to, to my rep, it's pretty embarrassing. But they were the customer, right? Hey, you're the rep. You buy lunch. You know that's yeah. that's. I, I don't think I don't think. And you shouldn't have reps that get treated like that. If you have reps that get treated like that, then I would question. I would question: Is your rep really doing a good job? Does your rep have a relationship, or is your rep just a a card that that gets passed around every time? Every time you know the rep knocks on their door, and, and there's no relationship. So are, are you adding an extra layer of complexity though, if you have reps by managing not only the, the, the technical sales personnel that can handle that, 
but also now a, a rep uh, layer that now you have to, to manage along with that. Yes, but think of it this way, and this is where I like to okay. think of it, is, is it's, it's leverage. So say just me. Say I, say I have an organization with, with four product leaders, say product managers, whatever your title is on whatever you're, yeah. you're selling. So you've got four product people. Those four product people, if you've got a rep network of, say, 20 reps across the United States and, say, 30 globally, so those, you have 30 rep agencies. Say each of those rep agencies has two employees. So that's 60 salespeople you've got across the globe being managed by four people in your office. And they only get paid, they only get, the reps only get paid when they sell something. Right. Managing the rep network. So you don't have the cost, because how would you have, how would you have 60 direct salespeople if, if, and like in my organizations, the capital equipment takes a year, takes a year to develop. So you're going to, you're going to have, are you going to have employees trying to do sales and, and at what level and at what frequency in order to pay their salary and, and expenses versus, you know, a rep who's got your product and maybe six or eight other products. So they've got, cash flow coming all the time because they're selling quick-term things and they're selling long-term things. Those long-term things, like capital equipment, usually have a bigger commission so that can that can float them a little longer so they don't mind investing four months, six months, a year in a project. Hmm. It's, it is, it's definitely harder to keep them engaged because they do need to turn cash around quickly, but, but you have to keep them engaged and, and you have to be a good enough principal that you'll win the jobs that they work hard on so that they know that there is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Now, the rainbow, right. you know, takes, might take, like I said, six months to a year, but, but that's, it's well worth their time to, to work on that project for you. So it, right. it is, it is a balancing act. It, it is a balancing act, but, and, and you really have to manage your rep agency well, um, in order to get that output. But on the other hand, if you did have direct salespeople, and if and if a direct salespeople only had one sale every six to eight months, you know how much how much cost would you be paying that person? You know to unearth jobs and and you know sell big capital big capital equipment. Um, how much how much what, what would the cost be? And if you had sixty of them, like my example earlier. Right. That would be that would be a lot of salary for really how much turnaround. Right. That makes sense. Well, that definitely yeah. makes sense. But you have to manage it. Well, you just you yeah. just can't say, "Hey, I'm going to sign up all the reps and then I'll and I'll just reap whatever comes," because you, nothing will come. Yeah. If if you just sit back and think, "Oh, the reps know my product," no, nothing, nothing will come. You have to actively manage and understand what could be sold in that territory and and and. You know, just like, just like a, just because you're not well, paying them a salary doesn't mean you don't interact with them on a regular basis. Well, and I also think that that, that uh, comment go, holds true no matter whether it's a rep or it's an internal salesperson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there has you to know. be incentives. Okay, now we can go to, you know, the structure is one thing, a rep, or if you, if you, if you just generate product, you, 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 you make widgets and yeah. then you, you work with distributors, you know, then, then, you know, you just work. You can have 
internal people dealing with distributors in certain areas. And then it's just basically, hey, sell my product. You get them to sell the product. Then it's just, hey, when they sell 15 of the 20 that they keep on the shelf, they reorder more. Right. Um, I mean, I, there, it, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't mean to uh, make it sound easy that, that if you've got a distribution network that it's easy. It's not. But that's a different method of selling the type of product that you have. Typically, those are right. less, less custom products. Right. And, and we definitely, we have that side of the business also, mm-hmm. uh, where we've got, uh, uh, what we call CSRs, I believe, uh, customer service representatives. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that actually do that type of selling. So what were you going to say just a second ago? Well, yeah. Then, then moving from that type of structure, how do you incentivize, motivate, inspire your sales channel? to produce more sales in your competition. How do you gain market share? Boy, I'm all ears on that one. (laughs) 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 I have some opinions, but I'm definitely all ears on that one. Oh, Sean's getting a phone call. Yeah, I muted it. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. It lets them know we have a normal day job. We do. We do. (laughs) We do. Um, so yeah, how, you know, what, what are some ideas on, you know, motivating your sales team and, and, and making sure that, uh, uh, you've got an incentive program in place that makes sense. Oh, that's, that's the, uh, million dollar yeah, that's question. The, that's so, the million dollar question, right? Yeah. Well, you know, if, okay, you, you can have a couple of structures you can have, if you have an internal and let's just go now with internal salespeople. You know, okay. A, a yes. rep agreement. A rep agreement. They're going to get you know two percent, ten percent sliding scale, whatever, whatever makes sense for the industry. Of, you're of in. the sale, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of the sale, you know, and yeah. then and then, and the, well, I'll say it, but it also applies, and, and we'll spend more time on how it applies to internal people. You know, then you've got to deliver. If 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 you if the rep sells something and they get a you know ten percent commission, say. But then there's back charges or there's added scope and things like that. You know, you, you, you've got to, you've got to deliver so that the rep maintains a good relationship. Now, cause, cause once you get the order, the rep is kind of, you know, out of it. Hey, he, he or she is hoping that you deliver well so that, that that rep can maintain that customer and sell again to that customer. Maybe a different product or a different, um, you know, job later on. So you right. really have to, you really have to produce. For that rep, because then, then you give the rep a bad name. Sure, you get a bad name and you might never get a sale again, but that rep is in there selling your product and other people's product. So you have to, you have to deliver. All right. Now back to your own internal salespeople. If right. your internal salesperson is, is like a hundred percent salary and then bonus on sales, that's one way of doing it. They could be, they could be a smaller base salary with effectively commissions on sales. Right. Um, and it depends on how your product, your product is sold as to whether, as to whether, um, you go one direction or, or another. It also depends on also your forecast. If you can forecast a good revenue stream and, and the, the normal sales channel is solid for that forecast, but you want to give your salesperson some upside potential, then, then, you know, you can go with a small base 
and then commission on on sales and then if they meet if they meet their goal anything up and ab- above the goal you know you get extra commission because you want you okay. want your, you want your salesperson to be to be comfortable enough that they can predict they can predict what their income is be. and if if there is a if there is a downturn they've got at least a base that they can live on and and you know some commission if it, if they can sell if there is a good year well then they make a heck of a lot more money and then that type of person has to has to understand the situation that they're in if the years fluctuate from from good to bad and their salary can't be can't be uh, just nailed down then they have to they have to save some of those good years for the years that that things are a little more lean have you ever heard of uh, fluctuating the base at all? Well, other than other than cost of living and you know performance, you know, if, hey, I'll give you a little bit more base because you, know, you got a you got training or or you know you picked up more you picked up more responsibility. So I mean, yeah, you could just like any any employee uh, give them some give them compensation based on their capabilities and capacity to do more. Right. Sure. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and I've got friends that, that sell software. And and inside sales, software salespeople as well as outside sales software. Okay. And, and, and they, and they uh, are compensated, are compensated with a, a base and then a commission, especially the inside salespeople because their job is to keep their job is to keep existing customers. And so if they keep those yeah. existing customers, they'll get the they'll get the commissions on the renewals. I, I understand this, it's kinda it's kinda simple and we all have some kind of uh, program that we pay, like I don't know, your cable bill. There's probably the, the salesperson when you say that you want to quit, they get a commission if they keep you. You know, that's that's the internal sales guy, right? Um you know, then then there's the outside salespeople looking for new business, and so that's the hunter and the farmer scenario. Hunter, hunter and the farmer scenario, right? So yeah. so compensation is kind of dictated a little bit by your industry. It's good to always think think out of the box as to how to motivate people, and and money isn't the only motivating factor. We've got to put that in there. Money is yeah. is is kind of the first step on the ladder to a successful employee employer relationship um maybe it's the first two steps in some cases you know um money is one thing but family life balance could be another healthcare is another so based on all those factors whether you're talking about an engineer or a salesperson they all come into they all come into play yeah no that that makes sense you know, that's a, that's one of those ones that I think, um, we can move on to the next topic here in a second, but I think that that's one of those areas that, like you said, you've got to really understand your own personal business, uh, the business model the organization's going after, and then make sure that you're doing a balanced program that fits your organization, the industry you're in, your competitors, um, you know, because if you're not doing what needs to be done for your sales personnel, they're just going to up and go somewhere else. Right. They will, um, they'll, they'll go so, 
and, and the thing that you yeah. shouldn't be afraid of, you should, you should, I think you should have a, you know, 80, 20 rule that, that, that you should understand the compensation your salesperson is going to get 80% of the time. You should understand what your, your costs are going to be for those salespeople based on a sensitivity analysis on your, your expected revenue, because you've got to, you, you, when you, when you forecast, you've got to figure out what your revenue is going to be and your cash flow is going to be in order to fulfill the, those orders. So back to the supply chain side of those, of those, uh, jobs, you know, of, of your sales. So right. you, you should, you should understand what your sales team is going to be and you want to compensate them fairly for going out and getting that work. You should not be afraid that if, if the, the year is a record year by a factor of two, don't be afraid that your salesperson makes more than the CEO of the organization. That is great news because they're only, they're getting a percentage of that, that added, that added revenue or margin, however you, however you measure the compensation for your sales team. But I, I see so many times in discussions I've heard from people, oh, well, you know, it, this is, this is fair. As long as we only make, you know, if, if that person only sells $10 million worth of stuff and, you know, they get, uh, whatever, $150,000, that's a good salary. But if they sell $20 million, I don't think they should make more than $160,000. Well, that's not right. That's silly. Why wouldn't yeah. they, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you have it that they get a percentage of the over and above forecast because everybody benefits them? Everybody should Well, benefit. and I, and I agree that, uh, and I've heard this here quite a bit recently as I've kind of delved into the whole sales side of the, of the process. And at the end of the day, in, in a lot of organizations and in a lot of discussions, greed plays a big role in some of the decisions that are made and some of those bad decisions that are made, such as putting caps on salespeople because they happen to, you know, make a huge sale and everybody gets jealous about it and things like that. Well, that's where I go back to leadership and understanding. So you should, you should know what your, what your cap on a job, you know, or not, not a cap, but your, your biggest, your biggest project that you're going to sell. And if, if you think, and if you don't, then I don't know if you know your market. So based on what you do, think about it. If you sold, if you sold one of your systems, great. If you sold a hundred of your systems, is that something that's, that's, that's doable? And what would be the compensation if you sold a hundred systems? And you know what? If right. the one time, if the one time that salesperson, if they work for it, if they get lucky, you know, then maybe, maybe you take that into consideration. Does, does, how does, how does, the work in getting a sale differ from getting lucky and being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Winning the lottery practically. Well, and you know what? People do win the lottery. Yeah, and so so if, if that's the one in a hundred, if it's a one in a, and I guess I got a hundred on my mind. So if it's a one in a hundred <laughs> chance that you get an order for a hundred pieces of your equipment and it, and it, and it's never happened before and it's unlikely that it happens this time. Who cares? You pay the person, you pay the person bonus. Because if you base your forecast on that person only selling 10 of them, okay, there's a couple of things that have to happen. You're going to need a lot more on the delivery side, deliver a hundred units. If, if you base your forecast yeah. on, on only building 10. Okay. So first of all, the question is, should you even take an order for a hundred? Cause can you deliver? 
Okay. Yeah. Or are you just going to hack off the customer anyways? Exactly. (laughs) So, so, you know, that's, that's something that you should think about on the extremes, the outliers. If you're worried about capping somebody, where are you going to cap them and why would you cap them at that level? You know, so, so if you, if you are developing, developing a compensation plan, and the person, and I'll just use the same numbers, and, and the forecast, the expectation for this person is to sell 10 units. Where, where are you going to cap it? At 20, at 50? Okay. Yeah. And that person goes ahead and gets a 100-unit order? Okay. You, 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 thought that, you thought that 50 was a big order, and you capped it at if they sold 50, that their compensation. But now the person brought in 100. Like, why would you say, yeah, sorry, that was, that was a good job. Now, did they do any more work to get 100 as opposed to 50? You know what? If we think about that now, that that could be the scenario, we'll think about it when you're putting the compensation together. Right. That, I guess that, that's my point. If you're going to think about, oh, let's cap it because the guy's going to make or the person's going to make $500,000 if, if they sell if they sell 50 units. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm capping it because I don't want them to make any more than $500,000 because the boss only makes $500,000. Well, does that, it matter? That, yeah, you're right. That rationale does not make sense if no. that's how your rationale is exactly. going. Exactly. So think it through and think of why you're going to do it. Right. That makes total sense. So let's go on to the last area that we wanted to kind of talk about, and that is um, uh, feedback and teamwork with your salespeople. So feedback was was one of those areas that I think is is very important to uh, your sales structure. And what we mean by feedback is is how are you getting information back so that you can make some of the decisions we just talked about. Yeah. You know, what's the market look like? What what are your customers doing? What are they demanding? What are they seeing? What kind of problems are they having? You really have to have that feedback from your salespeople. And if you're not getting uh, feedback from them, you know you. you you're losing touch in an important part of what's going to help you grow your business, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I'd say feedback the other way from the production and operations side to the sales team. You know, hey, right. hey, salesperson, stop selling, stop selling this uh, with a delivery of, you know, 12 weeks when it takes us 16 weeks to, to do it at normal time. Or, yeah. or, that's, or, that's or the, the feedback from the, or the feedback from the, the sales team that says, hey, listen, operations. My competition's out there at 12 weeks. Don't tell me it's going to take 16 weeks. And that's where management has right. to come in and say, ooh, if we, if we could get more sales, if we had a delivery of 12 weeks, okay, what do we have to do to bolster the production side of it to help the salesperson sell so that they, one, that they can make a commission, that's a personal thing, but two, that we can get revenue into the organization and keep everybody's jobs going. Well, and I, and I definitely think that's a discussion for another day, but that the, the topic of how do you resolve the 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 constant discussion that happens between operations current uh, state and capabilities and what sales is truly seeing in the market uh, to resolve issues just like what you just brought up you know I think that's definitely a topic for another day that we could actually probably dive into pretty deep yeah you know and I, I and I think we've talked about this and maybe some people that are listening now might not have heard podcast number four or five, you know, the, the gap, between, <laughs> the gap between sales and operations. And right. that, that, and basically those, those topics, you know, sales, sales goes out and they want to, and, and how you compensate people, you get what you pay for. 
and you get what you measure. Right. There's just no doubt about it. So if you if you are measuring salespeople on top line revenue, top line revenue, that that person's just going to go out there and just sell whatever. Well, I, I shouldn't say that they will. The potential could be there that they're selling that now operations has to figure out how to make. So is there a gap between actual uh, capability and capacity versus scope being sold? Yep. So that's where that's where agree. you have to make sure that there is no gap between the sales side and then the delivery side. Um, well, and that leads into our last topic, which is teamwork. How do you involve everybody in that process? Uh, through teamwork to make sure that you solve these problems appropriately uh, without gnashing of teeth and, you know, tearing yeah. off shirts and screaming at you. <laughs> it's very well, well, that does happen. <laughs> really? What kind of organization you have that they tear their shirt off? Anyway. Falling on your knees and, and raising and your arms and <laughs> screaming and crying and banging your head and feet. Okay, so the I'm other trying to the remember thing, the movie ha- Hamburger Hill, I think, is where that happened with oh, that William right? Defoe. Okay, yeah. um, there yep, you go. There's yep. the re- movie reference. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, too, you know, upside potential for everybody. The extra hard mm-hmm. work. Um, so that's on the compensation side. You need to you need to have a leadership organization that that doesn't unbalance the scale. So if the salespeople, if they're the, the golden children, they're going out and they're bringing in revenue, and then and then you treat your your operation people like machines, like dogs, you know, hey, just keep running on the treadmill to keep you know the wheels spinning. I guess maybe not dogs, but hamsters or something. I don't know. So if if, if you if you build that type of culture, well, then you are going to get resentment from people that you know win all the awards, get sales trips because they they sold. Twice their um, their uh, expected revenue, but then if the people that have to fulfill those those orders, if they get nothing for it, not even a thank you, then you're going to get resentment. So talk about teamwork. You really have to build the team. You, you just think about a, a, a sports team and pick American football or pick soccer, right? You have you have the uh, Ronaldo's or um, uh, what's his name from Argentina. Messi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Messi, yeah. So Messi makes a boatload of money and he gets all the commercials and everything like that. How do you, how do you keep the goalie from saying, oh, this thing, I got, I got to go find some place where I'm the big guy, you know, yeah, he, where they appreciate me, where they appreciate me. But now does that team win? He, he stops all the goals, but they don't have anybody to score goals. <laughs> so they, yeah. they have, they have more draws. I, I mean, I don't know, but you have to, you have to look at it and build, you have to build the team that everybody for their performance gets compensated and not only compensated monetarily, but rewarded, uh, let's see, what's it? Emotionally, physically, physically. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you go there physically. Let's not go down that path. There's a lot of politicians in trouble for that now, but anyway. Boy, they aren't there. (laughs) People are just idiots. And I guess I shouldn't politicians and really I can't stand all these. so-called stars, movie stars, something like that. Talk about an imbalance. Yeah. There's, there's the resentment. There's the resentment. These, these sports athletes, these athletes, and these uh, movie stars get paid for doing what? Faking? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> faking, right. faking life. Faking life. Really? Okay. Sorry. People. 
Um, but where where an engineer and, a, and you know whatever who builds bridges and buildings, they get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. That's what we don't want to have happen. We don't want to have that example. There might be a little example. <laughs> don't want that to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, you got to um, build, build a team, and that's the leadership's job. And they should, yeah. And they should be emotionally strong, like I'm trying to be, <laughs> to, to not to not uh, have have some imbalance uh, skew the effectiveness of the organization. I'm reeling you back in here. Right, right. You got me going, and then yeah. to, to and and then to wrap that whole thing up, you've got to have accountability, no matter whether it's in inside sales, outside sales, reps. Accountability is the, and we don't need to go into the details of accountability, but. You've got to follow up with accountability once you've defined it. Yeah, but I'd like to say that accountability isn't something that you lay over the top of an organization and a process. Accountability is organic when you build the right team that works for the right reasons to support the the mission. You know, yeah, right? You might just now you might just send us into another thirty-minute discussion now. If you oh, just well, that. I know. Yeah, see, that, <laughs> that should be that should be accountability is a byproduct of the organization you build. Accountability isn't something yeah. you press upon people. I I hear you say that. I've never seen it happen. Well, that's what we strive to. I mean, I guess that, and that's the thing. If you if you have the goal and that's what you strive to do, then yeah. it takes a long time, but. You know, that's where the that's where the utopia is, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap this one up right here? This was a a wonderful topic. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this one, and we might wind up talking some more about uh, some other aspects of this on down the road. But uh, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Sean, you had some great comments today. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm. <laughs> Hey, I, I do have I do have passion to just figure out how to how to put that passion in the right direction. There you go. <laughs> well, you have a, a good week, and we will chat with you later. Okay. All right. Thanks, Les. Take care. Yep. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.